Well, it's a beautiful day, is it not, church? Uh, you should be a little more excited. It's a beautiful day, is it not, church? Yeah. Woo! And uh, I believe at least, if at least because the Warriors did win. Come on, somebody's got to be out there. You know, we're going through a series on Jesus first, and as we get into this, uh, I'm going to be brief on time this morning, so take prestigious notes, uh, or at least listen online again afterwards. We're talking about Jesus first because in this world, our goal as Christians is to be like Jesus in everything we do. What does that mean? So we went through a journey, and part of that journey was you discovered what the soul is for. Hopefully, if you didn't go through that series, I advise you to go back and listen to it. I did two messages on the soul, very important. They feed into what we're going to talk about today. The other thing that's important along this journey is we talked about Jesus needs to be first in making disciples, making followers of Jesus. Today, we're discussing what it means to put Jesus first in your worship. And of course, worship is this idea of serving God with a life that adores him and exalts him. And to, uh, even, even to the point here, Daniel was right on when he said, we're not here for what we could get out of it. Not even the feeling we can get out of it. We're, we're really here to exalt and adore God. But let me put a pause on that. Outside the walls of a church where you come in and have religious practice, where do you see examples in culture of people who exalt and adore God? Isn't it uniquely silent? That if you look at media, TV, uh, even at school, do you kid see kids at school between class just sitting down and praying and exalting God? At work, wherever you work, do you see people pausing and say, I'm going to take a moment for some prayer and just to exalt God, or even just talking to you say, I just want to tell you how wonderful God is and how awesome he is. Isn't there a creepy, eerie silence outside the walls, these four walls? Now, is it totally silent? Absolutely not. And to that point, I thought I would bring to you this idea. Last week we were talking about how do you make disciples and followers with your life. And I thought, who better than somebody off the Warriors? And his name is Stephen Curry. Why don't you see how he takes fame, fortune, and all the wonderful things that go with it, and let him express his own faith to you in this video. It should come on. Thank you. You've seen that movie before, Steph Curry with another three. This is in transition with a defender right in your face. I've been watching it all year long. He's put this team on his back. He's made plays. Steph Curry for three. He's never not shot. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I fell in love with the game really early. When I played other sports growing up, but basketball always had a special place in my heart. Being saved is a great feeling. The relationship with Jesus Christ started um, around middle school. Uh, my parents had us in church every Sunday, every Wednesday. It was more a tradition at that point. Um, I didn't have a personal relationship with, with, with the Lord. Um, until one altar call 
Sunday and me fasting told us we needed to make a decision for ourselves. We couldn't rely on our parents. It had to be a decision on our own and that's when I made it. Watch how high he elevates with the ball, gets it up over the top of the shot block. There's so many things that, that we have to overcome in this life and Jesus and his work on the cross, he's paid the ultimate price for us. So proud to be a child of God. I try to use each and every game as a, an opportunity to witness. I do a, a little signal every time I, I uh, make a shot as a way to kind of just preach the message in little ways that I can. So uh, each game is an opportunity to, to be on a, a great stage and uh, you know, to be a witness for Christ. There are going to be so many ups and downs and so many you know, obstacles and hurdles you're gonna have to face in life. And nothing is, is ever too much for, you know, for God to, to intervene in your life. I've had a lot of great moments in my career, a lot of down moments, but I try to praise him the same uh, because of the opportunities he's given me and the blessings he's put in my life. When I step on the floor, people should know, you know who I represent and who I believe in. We've, we've been blessed with talents to play, to play sports at a high level. Each time it's, it's in his name that we go out there and perform and, and compete and, and use the, the gifts he's given us in the right way. Hey, pretty good, huh? So now, you know, for us, it's, it's funny, like, people will come to me and say, well, how do I bring Jesus into my workplace or into my life? And I'm sitting there going, good grief. This guy's on, like, public TV. He's a public figure. He gets publicly scrutinized. In fact, I saw some interesting people converse about his faith. And the reality is that he puts it out there. I mean, he, it's great because he gives us sort of no excuse. In fact, he has a clothing line that Raymond let me borrow this that he puts out there. I don't know about you. I'm not going to be putting out any clothing lines, by the way. Pastor Kelly's clothing kind of thing. That's not going to work. But it has in Jesus' name I play. And it's just he takes sports and he says, I'm going to make that about Jesus and less about the sport. Did you catch that? I want to know when he does this. So write something down real quick. Every day... You should figure out how to make worship your number one priority, right? Today, it's about worship. Every day is an act of worship that points to God. Every day is an act of worship that points to God. And you sit there and go, how is it we lost sight of that? He realizes he, every time he steps out and plays basketball, every time it's an act of worship that points to God. The way he does it in his career is he does this, and this recognizes that, hey, I'm here for who? Who gave me the point? Who scored the deal? Who did the, the real work? 
And then he follows it up with, I'm even going to put out a clothing line for people that play sports so that they remember it's not all about the glory. It's his way of learning to worship God. He's found that he has a gift and an ability in sports, and he worships God with it. But here's the truth. The truth is the world just sees him scoring points and winning games. They don't see his heart. Now, Jesus encountered this, by the way. It's sort of a hypocrisy of people who sit there and they say that they're spiritual or religious, but then all they care about is the superficial. I mean, ultimately, if Stephen Curry was not winning games, do you think anybody would care? I know I would. But the reality is most people don't act that way. In fact, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Matthew chapter 15. We're going to read a story that Jesus talked about, a false worship versus a true worship. And I love this story. This is sort of every uh, little boy's dream story because it, it, it talks about hygiene <laughs> or the lack thereof. And it says here, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law, they came to Jesus from Jerusalem and they asked him this, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. This is terrible. Come on, how many parents would like to say this exact same thing sometimes? And Jesus replied to the Pharisees, these are rulers, by the way. And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death, which we'd have far fewer children today if that happened. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father and mother is devoted to God, they're not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullified the word of God for the sake of your tradition, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts, their hearts are from far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. So Jesus, he called the crowd. And he said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. And then the disciples came to him, and they asked, Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when, you heard, when you, they heard this? Of course they were offended. And he replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Now, okay, so you've got to get the feel of the conversation first before we get to this point. This is the funny point. The Pharisees come to Jesus, and they sit there, and they say, your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus says, you're a bunch of hypocrites because you've taken the word of God and made it say what you wanted to say. You've nullified it for your own benefit. You are like the blind leading the vine. You religious leaders lead people into the pit. I'm telling everybody here, don't follow you. You think he offended them. 
And then Peter says, I don't understand it. So what's Jesus' natural response? Oh, Peter, let me discuss this with you. No, it's actually very interesting. Because he says, are you still so dull? This is, it's like, it's like talking to somebody that's really human. It's like, are you, Peter, how thick are you? Didn't you get what I said? I thought I was pretty clear. Jesus then said, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the person's mouth, they come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. Eating with unwashed hands doesn't defile you. And yet, you will meet people who cuss like the sailor, but if you didn't wash your hands before eating at their house, would be highly offended. Wouldn't they? Think about the things that we put on in life as practice. Brushing your teeth. I'm not against hygiene, by the way, but I love his illustration here. If it was between my son getting up and praying in the morning and my son getting up and brushing his teeth, which one do you think I would choose first? It isn't what goes into you that's the problem. It's what's coming out of you that is. It's not the externals that weigh upon you. It's the internals that play upon you. And it comes out of the mouth. And if you see these people living it out, you see people talking and speaking and doing things out of the heart, that's defilement. Don't you ever excuse their own sense of laws. Now, this is interesting. Back then, it was a very religiously practiced legal law system. Today, we create our own laws. Like, you need to eat certain ways. You got to dress certain ways. You got to have certain hygiene. You have to do certain things. You have to practice certain things. And Jesus would sit there and say, that's a bunch of hoo-ha. It's what's coming out of you I want to deal with. What I want to deal with is I want to deal with your heart. I want to deal with the defilement of the heart. I want to deal with your thoughts, your evil thoughts. I want to deal with your language, your slander, your immorality, your false testimonies. I want to deal with what's coming out of you when you open your mouth in the morning. And wow, all of a sudden, Jesus hits us right where we what? Live. It's easier to brush my teeth, folks, and wash my hands than to let God speak to my heart. It's a lot easier. And I practice it every morning, by the way. I do want you to know that I do have hygiene in my life. I have moments, maybe, that I don't smell as good. But the, the reality is what goes into you isn't the thing that I'm concerned about this morning. I, I'm concerned about what's going to come out of you. And to that point, every day you have to make it an act of worship. And just like Stephen Curry, folks, you need to find a way to point it to God. Everything in your life has got to be pointed to God. No matter what occupation you think you have. Because the way the soul was created, I find very in interesting. The soul was created by God because we were created in his image. Listen carefully to this and write it down if you don't realize it. 
You were created in God's image with his fingerprint. You were created with a soul uniquely designed among all created living things that only we human beings can worship, adore, exalt God above everything else in creation. That unique place you have in your soul to worship. And that's why every day when you think about it, your soul is, almost feels empty. It's yearning. Why? It was built to exalt God daily. The soul is empty every morning needing to be filled. It was designed by God to be filled with his spirit. It was built to exalt him in our lives. That's why you always have longings. You ever notice that? Longings don't seem to go away. Some people call them cravings. Uh, some people throw it into addictions, and they try to fill their longings with addictions. And they're, they're always temporary. Why? Because the soul was built to long for God every day, and the only thing that satisfies it is the filling of his spirit and the exaltation of him. Because you are not God. You were built to exalt God. You see that? And that's where you're going to find your real life. That's where every day you're going to find real life, real joy. And Jesus is trying to tell them that it's not what's going into you that's bugging me. It's what I hear coming out of you that's bugging me. It's when I don't hear you talk anything about Jesus or give Jesus credit for anything in your life. It's when all I see coming out of you is vulgarities and immoralities and slander and complaining and whining and arguing and I don't hear anything of God. Where is your heart? You see what Jesus is getting here? And he knew the Pharisees very well. And man, he really did get on them as a bunch of hypocrites. Because they had created all these rules. All these rules. You're going to be a good person if you smell good and look good and wash your hands. And, you know, and they justified it religiously. You know, some people's eating habits nowadays are a religious practice to them. You know that, don't you? Seriously, I could offend some people just by whopping a steak down on the plate right in front of them. Other people, it's the way you dress. Or maybe the way you smell or lack thereof. But Jesus would not have been concerned about your outward appearances. He would have been concerned about your inward actions. Because it's what came out of people that were defiling them. I don't care how good somebody looks. When what comes out of their mouth is junk, and what comes out of their life is filth, that's what Jesus was getting at. That's called defilement. So what do you do? Well, there's some things that you can actively do to find worship every day, but you have to discover it first. Um, I'm asking you literally today to start a whole new way of thinking, believe it or not. I'm asking you like you brush your teeth in the morning, hopefully, like you maybe wash your hands, I don't know, maybe you shower or shave, I don't know. I am asking you to create a whole new habit in your life of filling your soul with the worship of God every day emptying out all the other stuff and filling it with God. And to do that, you need to discover worship. 
In Romans, he put it this way. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Offer yourselves every morning as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. How many Christians are in the practice of that? Listen, a lot of Christians struggle just getting to church once a week, let alone asking them to do something daily. But then I look at them and I say, but do you brush your teeth? Now, wouldn't it be funny, though, if we said, do you brush your teeth? They said, no. Do you do hygiene of any kind? No. Okay, you're an exception. I mean, but think of it as a parent, even. How, how strict are you about your kids putting on clothes that haven't been worn four times in the week? How strict are you about your kids washing their hands or taking showers or brushing their teeth or whatever, flossing? I'm still working on that one. And if you could be that strict about such an external thing... Why would you not consider the importance of the internal? Worship is a daily action upon which I should be able to ask you on Tuesday, how was your worship today? And you would understand what I'm saying, and you would be able to express it in words that make sense. I don't, I don't think Stephen Curry, when he was thinking of this stuff, just thought, oh, I think I'll just say, in Jesus' name I play. I don't think he pulled this out of the blue. I think this was thought out, played out, printed out, lived out. I think that's the challenge of our lives when we choose to worship God on a daily basis. Our soul wakes up yearning and we either fill it with things, stuff. See, our flesh will cry out, give me coffee. Our soul will cry out, give me grace. And I don't know about you, but if it's the choice between the two, I got it down which one I want. The reality is, though, I'm challenged every morning as to which I will choose. And when you discover worship, you discover there are two key ingredients to this. And Jesus mentions this, by the way. Two key ingredients to your worship, and the first one is the Spirit of God. Some people have no Spirit of God, so their life is filled with with just filling their soul with stuff, trying to make something last, and never understanding how you meet the longing and the yearning of the soul. Some people are, are that's their life. They're just pursuing stuff and happiness or whatever they want to word it as, but it never satisfies. And if it does, it's temporary. It's not something ongoing they can do that satisfies. The Spirit of God is something that dwells in you. It's permanent. But every day you have a choice to, uh, when you accept Christ, when you have a choice to accept His Spirit, if you accept His Spirit and it's in you, you have a choice every day as to whether or not it will be filled in you. Or will it just be in there, but I'm going to ignore that today. And many Christians live that way, the Spirit of God in them, but they ignore the reality of the Spirit of God. Why? Many don't even know how to worship God. Because you go out into the culture, there's nobody out there adoring and exalting God in the workplace is the way you would think. And if you see somebody in your workplace with a Bible and they sit down at lunch and they open it up and they read from the Bible, how do people see people like that? Don't they typically think, oh, that's a religious freak? Well, that's kind of sad. That just shows me we live in a culture that does not know how to exalt God. 
which means odds are we don't know. The Spirit of God needs to fill you every day. And then the Word of God, this is interesting, the Word of God has a, has a thing it plays on the soul as well, but what it does is the Word of God literally transforms the way you think. It, it has a sanctifying effect on it. It has a way of changing your point of reference and view of revealing things. It's a time is coming, he says, Jesus says, when you will realize the true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. And he sits there, and I love this, he says, that's the kind of worshiper the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. That's who he's seeking. The picture here is that every day God wakes up in the morning. He doesn't wake up, but you know, you do. And God is looking and roaming the earth for worshipers who truly worship him. People who are truly seeking him with their soul, their whole life, their whole focus. They're taking worship and they're pointing it to God every day. No matter what job they have, what situation they're in, where they're at. They're living in complete joy. Why? Because they found the first thing that will help you live in complete joy. They are learning to satisfy God and become what he seeks. A true worshiper. I don't know about you, but here's the deal. When my soul is filled with the Spirit, I feel good because I've satisfied whose need? God. Do you realize when you worship God, it satisfies Him? That's what He wants. Why wouldn't we want to come once a week on a Sunday to corporately worship? In fact, why wouldn't we want to come every day if we could, if we could, you know, quit our jobs and worship God permanently kind of thing? But... The reality is we have to work, and we have to worship God at our workplace. We want to worship God everywhere, but when we get together corporately, we should get excited about it. This shouldn't be difficult. Would brushing your teeth once a week be a hard thing for you? Although sometimes parents say that to their kids. Would taking a shower once a week be hard for you? And you'd say, no, that's ridiculous. Once a week would be nothing. If anything, you need to do it more often. Bingo. It's not what goes into you that is the struggle here, folks. It's what has come out of us that we need to work on. We come out of a culture that does not know how to worship God. We come out of even religion oftentimes that does not know how to worship God. And so every morning we wake up and we do not satisfy God's needs as much as we seek to satisfy our own. One of the ways you're going to find complete joy in life is when you wake up and give God part of your day, and all of a sudden, with joy, you can sit there and say, I have brought him satisfaction. The other thing it does is that I enjoy is it makes your joy complete to adore him and not yourself. Your soul wasn't built for self-adoration. That's called pride. The psalmist says, in your presence is a fullness of joy. Just to be in your presence, there is a fullness of joy, which means every time you sort of empty the selfishness and bring in the selflessness, there's a sense of joy. Because your soul is doing what it was built to do. We become more like Jesus, transformed from glory to glory. I like that. In true worship, you become more like him, and, and, and it's exciting that way. It's actually really cool to be more like Jesus. 
He empties us of sin and pride while filling us with joy and strength. It's a challenge, though. I've got to be honest. As a pastor and as just a person that is a Christian, every morning really soul-searching has to occur, which means that you have to pray and you have to thank God, where's my soul focused today? Have you ever sat down and just tried to pray and be with yourself and your mind is always wanting to go somewhere else? Oh, I got to get to work. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do, you know, even just to quiet your soul becomes a process, doesn't it? How much stuff is in your life? You know, until you actually sit down and, and quiet your soul between you and God, you don't know. And I'm amazed. You know, there are mornings sometimes when, when I'm waking up and I cut straight into worship and I feel like, wow, okay, I'm there. And it doesn't take too long. There are other times I get up and my mind just wants to fly other places. And my soul is filled with so many troubles and, and things and stuff. And, and part of the process of me worshiping God is letting go of all that. So that I can walk into my day with a complete joy and satisfaction in my life. To say that we start every day that way, I would be lying to you. The truth is, it's a discipline you have to learn and grow in. You need to learn to worship God seven days a week. And Daniel was right. If coming to church is an exercise of getting something from it versus an exercise of exalting, adoring, and giving back to him, then your motivation is wrong. Because worship itself is an act of service. Both the Hebrew and the Greek words connotate an act of serving him, not yourself. But that really goes counterculture, and that slaps in the face of that world out there. That you come here to give something to God, and you're not coming here to get something out of it. What's in it for you, man? Come on. There must be something in this for you. You know what's in it for you? is complete joy and satisfaction that you get to worship a living and holy God who has saved you for eternal life and his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness. What else do you need? And then when we finally do worship God, we're something like this. Hey, I worshiped God. And we're all pumped up. And you know what God says? Well, it's about time. That's what I created you for. We were built to have this relationship with God. This is what I love about it, too. God was meant to be your buddy. He was meant to be your soul satisfaction, your best of friends. The longing every day you have for a complete joy is there. He built you. You can't run away from it. You can't fill it with something else thinking it will satisfy it. It will always long to know the one who created it. So, how do you make every day a happy one? Three basic things that begin the road. The first one, make your heart's desire to be with your Father. It's a time of devotion. A lot of you, it's like, I don't have any time. Listen, there's always time. I know guys that they, uh, they commute, so they do their devotion in their commute. Whether it's on the train, in the ferry, the tube, the car, whatever. They commute with God. Because uh, they get up really, really early. Others, I got this busy schedule. Then that busy schedule really needs to be given to God every day. And you need all the more to get up and spend some time with God. 
and find a place where you can have rest. A lot of you have kids, right? You're actively surrounded by children and you're pressed on by so many needs. And I sit there and I go, all the more that you need to spend time with God and find a place to worship. And sometimes you want to put them in the closet, but the reality is maybe you need to go in the closet and spend some time with God and worship him. Set your heart to worship the Father in heaven. It is the beginning of a soul's completion and the joy of God revealed in your life. Make today an act of worship that is pointing to him. Find a habit. I'll tell you, you want to hear a funny habit I have? Actually, it's kind of interesting that uh, don't tell anybody that's for this reason. But the reality is I, you know, I used to never wear uh, perfumes when I was younger because I played water sports and, and, um, and guys, you know, I just never got in the habit of putting on deodorant, not deodorant, but like uh, cologne. Thank you. Cologne. I did do deodorant, perfume, not perfume, deodorant. Thank you. Cologne, cologne, cologne. All right. That's what that stuff's called. Okay. I've got a bottle of it. I could show it to you. Uh, so the cologne I was introduced into my life, I think it was in my late 20s. Because I was into the, a lot of other things, but not cologne. Um, so now I have cologne. And I put it on every morning. It's a habit, right? It's a hygiene thing. Uh, does nothing for my completion of worship. But what I have done is I actually, <laughs> I want to make sure I put on enough cologne. And I thought, well, why not start my day off with God? So I'll make the sign of a cross with a cologne. Now, that has absolutely nothing to do with going outside this room. But what it does is it makes it reminds me in the morning I need to put myself right with God and set myself before him and smell good. <laughs> Habits. Like Stephen Curry points his finger up to heaven, and it means a whole lot to him. But do you think everybody out there really gets it? I don't think so. But you know in the soul of Stephen Curry, he gets it. Something in your life needs to get it. You've got to do something to get it every day. Every day, you need to say, God, I'm giving everything to you, and I get it. The second thing that will help you is renew your mind for the day and see the world like the Father does. Transformation with truth. What does that mean? Well, you might have a, a lot of stuff going on in your life. Give it to him and let his truth transform you. Get into the word of God. You know, as much as Jesus told them it's not what goes in, but what comes out that's important, he gave a list of sins, and he says, look it, it's all this stuff that I hear coming out of the mouth. It's the evil thoughts that come out of the heart, that speak out of the mouth. The Pharisees were trying to trap him so that they could literally accuse him of things. What do you think was coming out of their hearts? And if, if you don't let the word of God sort of preach to you, not just because of, in front of a preacher, but preach to you every day and sort of say to you, hold on, remember, today you need to speak with kindness and grace. Remember today you're not going to be rude. Remember today you're going to encourage somebody at work. Remember today you're going to be like Jesus. And let the word of God transform you. Let it speak to you. Let it give you a daily action step. But let it speak to your soul. 
very heart of all who you are. Wrap your life into that and let it transform you. Do something different today. Last of all, plan to do good each day by sacrificing self and loving others. Serve them and do good. This is, this is the cool thing. Remember, you were designed in the image of God to be filled with the Spirit of God so that you might serve and do the works of God. Did you get the memo? So what happens with a lot of us guys is we get up in the morning and think, oh, i got to go to work, we're on this project, we got to go do this project. Stop, pause, hold it. You've been given this job. God wants you there for a reason. What are you doing today? How can you proactively engage it? What do you need to do that would be a good work to show the love of Christ in that place you're in today? Take one day at a time because every morning the soul wakes up with a yearning to be filled with the worship of God in your life. You were built that way. You're not going to run away from it. And so oftentimes I'll meet Christians and in closing, Christians will say stuff like this. They'll say, I just, I just don't feel like I'm connecting with God. Or I don't feel like my relationship is there with God. They say it a hundred different ways. But I think what they're missing is this. The habit and discipline of worshiping God. It won't go away tomorrow because you weren't built that way. And then Christians will long, well, I think I just need to go to a get a different job, get a different spouse, get a different school, get a different church, get a different program. No, no, no. You need to get a different heart. You need to worship God every day and serve him only. You need to daily bring worship that points to God. That's why you feel unsettled, because you're not giving him your soul, and he's wanting your soul, and you're trying to fill it with stuff that he doesn't care about, and it's defiling you. So much so, he could care less when you come to the Lord's Supper, he cares less whether you washed your hands or not. In fact, he could care less whether you brush your teeth cares for your soul. That's what you need. I love stepping through. This guy, he's put it out there. He's loving Jesus. He's showing little actions in his life that show me as a pastor that he's connected it with what he does. He's willing to put his own wardrobe together, which I, I would not, unless God did. I might do a cologne. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm going to do my own line of clothes. But he's willing to put it out there and wear it. Folks, let's wear Jesus in our lives on a daily basis and do the good works that you were designed to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. We are about to serve communion this morning, and we just want to remember you that you gave everything, and your everything included your life and your actions. And so this morning, we want to give you our heart and ask that you would fill it with your spirit, that you would speak to us through your truth, but that we would live for you in our lives. Teach us through this time of communion what it means to truly follow and remember that you were our example in that. Amen. Please.
may see. I'd like those who are going to serve to please come forward. And uh, this morning we're going to take communion. Did Jesus do anything that was a habit of worship? Absolutely. He was in the habit of getting away and spending time with his father. He was in the habit of getting up early in the morning. He, was, he had many godly habits that we could model after. And I think when we come to this place of his crucifixion, he showed us something. He made it more than just a death. He made it a way of living, which is in, in, in the normal fleshly mind is crazy to think about. But he made it so that every day we should sacrifice our life and take up his. And, and he made it a very real picture of sacrifice. Like it's not always going to be fun, but it will eternally be rewarded. And when I see the, the bread and representing his body and I see uh, the wine and the cup representing his blood flowing out for us, I see a very real example of life. Because in real life, folks, it doesn't always feel good to do good. In real life, it can be very painful. And Jesus gave us a real Father, thank you so much that in this world there will be trouble, but you we can take heart in because you've overcome them. Your blood, your body is a representation of our victory. That worship is something that we need to do every day for you. I pray, use this time to touch the souls of people in this room. If there are those who need your spirit to fill their life, May you challenge them with your grace, your love, and your eternal life, and your salvation. May they come to know you. And if those of us who have your spirit, may we accept the challenge to daily be filled with it. To put aside the initial struggles of the morning for the flesh and the things that we want. To set our souls before you and ask what would you have in us. And God, Father, I pray that you would be the source of all worship and remembrance this morning as we glorify you and give our act of service to you. Amen. Please start in the back. Come down.